Holy cannolis, everybody. So this is now the Future of Business podcast with Amini Corp. That's me. Today's a big day, very big day. I am on my way, just left the house, to go look at buildings for a incubator, accelerator, venture fund concept. And you might be thinking, wow, where'd you get the money to buy that? The fact of the matter is, funding is not yet secured. That's not how anything works. You can only get funding before you do something if it's only an incremental and safe thing to do. Think about it. Banks, any type of loan, any type of... Uh, private equity, there needs to be a proven track record of what you're trying to do. And for, you know, the whole venture fund community, like startups that raise money before they lift a finger, that's a bad sign of a startup. That's almost destined to fail. A great business should just start spontaneously. It's a very bizarre thing, like life. It just happens when the conditions are right. And, um, You know, people that get overcapitalized are like lazy executives, like the guy behind Quibi, Quibble, Quibble, whatever. And the fact of the matter is when the time is right, when the plan is right, capital is certain. Think about it. If I told you exactly how I'm going to make more money than the money I'm asking for, and my plan was realistic and interesting because you know something about the way the market, the product I'm talking to you about, you're going to give me money. It's a matter of time until someone's going to give me money. And as going further, if I de-risk it by saying, look, I have a business partner that knows things I don't know. I know these things. He or she knows those things, right? Here's my skill set. Here's their skill set. Here's my network. Here's their network. Look at this big picture. And we might individually have some track record of doing something in this space. And look at our advisors, look at our partners, look at our business plan. This is, you know, sometimes you look at something and you say, this has to work. To what degree it's uncertain, but this is a great idea. And you hear those ideas after someone else figured it out. And you say, man, why didn't I think of that? Because it just obviously was going to work. So money comes last, especially if you're doing something new. Almost always it comes last. Any great business doesn't need money to start. You just start doing it. You start enacting, executing value-add processes. I mean... That's it. And so if you need money to do something, you don't have a good enough idea. Because a good enough idea should get you so excited that you run out and you do it. So we got initial approval for a partnership with an insane organization. I mean, only one of its kind in America. It's going to be world famous, I promise you. And we're going to help make it world famous, that's certain. It's just going to crank out a ton of intellectual property. And they need somewhere for that property to turn into businesses. And that's where we come in. 
So we're going shopping, folks. Shopping for buildings. And I am so excited. So excited. There's partners coming out of the woodworks left and right. Oh, my God. And it, there is a correlation, a connection between life, biology, physics, chemistry, all of that. I would say it's all physics, baby. And business. Because I was thinking about it the other day. We can all build mass-produced little value creation machines, businesses for everybody, turnkey. I'm certain of it. That's what I'm trying to do here in a specific niche, specific market segment. But just like the primordial ooze that created RNA, which created like the first bacteria or what have you, single-celled organisms, life seems to simply emerge out of the right conditions. Just like a business seems to form when the right people are in the right environment. Right? The right, the right materials and the right conditions seems to form life. Or the building blocks, perhaps. And the same can be said about businesses. When the right people get in the right condition, uh, mental condition... They start making money. Oh, that's who I was supposed to call. So, it's very interesting. There is, and it makes sense, right? Because business is ultimately a human function, a socio, a social function. I almost said socioeconomic, but it, it is, right? So, if... um. Business only occurs because of biological entities, aka human beings, creating the business, then therefore the business activities are ultimately a extension of biological functions, and therefore the biology, the ecology, the environment, and therefore the chemistry of that underlines underlies those biological mechanisms and the physics that measures and predicts those mechanisms and models those mechanisms and how they might work in various situations. This coffee is awful. What happened? So, you know, there's something there. I know there's something there. And I'm personally, so you might, I'm a businessman in theory. And this annoys some of my partners sometimes because I'm always like, theoretically, in principle, philosophically. And they're like, philosophy doesn't belong in business. I'm like, well, too bad. <laughs> because I'm a business philosopher, something like that. Because I came up with this idea of how to start businesses rapidly like 10 years ago. It's like 2013. My God. 2013, almost 10 years ago. And so seven years ago. Um, and it just, 
I saw it and it just made sense. You know what I mean? In one fell swoop, it just was obviously correct to me. And I've been thinking about it incessantly ever since. And all I've ever done is try to validate this theory of business, uh, theory of business, I guess. Uh, at the time, it was business creation, and then it's expanded to business, you know, operations, which is far more challenging than just starting something, to get real-world data, to validate my theory, to conduct experiments. You know, there weren't really any predictions there. I just had to go... I felt like when I was younger, no one's going to listen to me about business theory if I don't have an MBA and, or I've never can, you know, I don't have any business wins under my belt. And maybe I was wrong there, but that was my general view at the time. And so I dedicated my time to creating a business and validating it. And nothing else excites me like this. So it's hard for me to care about much else. At the same time, at the same time, um, I'm unemployable. Like nobody will hire me as a direct hire. As in no HR person will hire me. HR people are the worst. They are the most, and I say this with all due respect, basic bitches I've ever met in my entire life. They all look the same. They all talk the same. They all have the same mannerisms. It's crazy. I don't understand what draws these types of, and they're always girls, women, to being in HR or like catty men. In my limited experience, I've never met like a uh, someone out of that stereotype. At any rate, whatever it is about that stereotype, whatever gender they may be, uh, whatever it is about that person that falls into that role, that is attracted to that role, they do not like me. (laughs) They don't like me. And I'm sorry. I don't know what started first. And maybe I should be more forgiving of them and myself for being an asshole. But, you know, when your life is on the line, these people won't let you access any cash right you're like you're broke you need the money so bad and all they have to do is just give you a shot let me get in there and show you what i can do i don't interview well some people don't test well i don't interview well but you give me a task to do i will blow your mind with my own ability to like self uh my own discipline timeliness, results, organization, you know, self-motivation. But I never got a chance to get in there, man. I think one time I got a random job. A CMO at a startup hired me in the real estate industry. TruePad. The company has gone defunct since. And not for lack of trying. Just very challenging market. And I told them, hey, guys, this is my first office job. They gave me like a four-month, a three-month like trial or something. 
something X number of weeks. I'm like, okay, cool. And they maybe like give them like tax my like income receipts to see how much they have to pay me, which was a, my accountant friend said that's a, they don't no they don't deserve to see that. Like, how little can we pay you? Was the <laughs> you know what I mean? How much do we have to pay you? It was like, oh, how much did you get paid at your last job? At any rate, and uh, I showed them my like I just made a bunch of money in like a short period of time for the first time ever. And so I argue that that's how much I need to make. And um, and it wasn't like crazy. It was like 70 grand a year or something like that. Which for me at the time was crazy. It was crazy, crazy, crazy sauce. And um, let's see, is this still working? And I told them. I've never worked in an office environment. I was literally like a feral cat who lived under a deck for four years. And, and that deck being an abandoned meatpacking facility or some such space, indoor farming spaces, like empty, unfinished commercial spaces alone with no heating or cooling or running water. That's been my life. And... I didn't, I, I told them like two or three times I've never. And so I didn't understand the fundamentals of office communication. Like this is the same problem I have everywhere. I have a learn, I, I must have a learning disability because it takes me forever to learn certain things. And once I finally do, I am really knowledgeable on it because I had to learn every single thing about it from every different angle I possibly could to get a grasp on the subject. This is true for physics, for business, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, in the end, they decided not to hire me because I didn't communicate well. And I was like, God damn it. I told you guys I'm not a good communicator. Like, I wish someone would tell me, like, this is how an office environment works, right? You have teams and projects and people get pulled in. And you have to communicate this. And this is how you communicate. This is a report. Like, super basic stuff. And, you know, it didn't help that the person I was communicating with uh, was not a good fit either for the business. Nor did it help that the business itself, uh, man, it, like, broke my heart. Uh, I did some research and I found that their market doesn't want another free home search engine. That value proposition was seen to be too low. Like, you know, I think Zillow just bought Trulia or they merged or something. And these guys had a lot of uh, proprietary data on the market, but the positioning was like another, you know, you come in and there's another search engine, search for your property. And I'm like, Nobody's signing up when I try to get them to sign up like that. And so then I switched it up and said, hey, here's a free software tool that um, that real estate agents could use or you can use for your real estate search. And I, when I positioned it as a free tool, free software, because in the end it was. It was a complex software they made. And yes, it looked like Zillow in a way, but it had more interesting features, more impactful features. Um, the, the jump, the sign up rate jumped from like almost zero to like 
nothing crazy, but like significantly higher, a big jump with that positioning. Free software tool, free SaaS tool versus, you know, the search engine and so on. And um, oh crap, I missed my exit. I think um, I couldn't get it across. The CMO, I couldn't get it across the CMO. I didn't have the guts to really stand up for my findings. And then the partners were making decisions that were off based off of data. And so they were making, in the end, perhaps wrong decisions. And, you know, it, it, it went under. And it sucked. I'm like, you know, all that time wasted? In the end, the problem with capitalism is it's highly inefficient. It's not an effective way to distribute capitalism as it is today. Whatever this is, capitalism 1.0, 2.0 maybe, is very ineffective in allocating resources. Um, you know, it could be burned a billion dollars. And that's gone, man. No one's ever going to see that money again. It's gone forever. Cash is not a, um, what's it called in physics, a conservative variable. Like in physics, gravity is conserved. Meaning if you um, you know, go up to 100 feet, <clears throat> and then fall down to 90, uh, let's say fall down to 10 feet, the energy that goes into you falling down is exactly equal to the energy it took you to go up in the first place to whatever the height was, 100 feet. But cash, just because you lose cash doesn't mean you can lose cash more effectively than you made it. You can make cash simpler than it with less energy than it takes to create it. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not conserved. Just because you do, everybody doing one hour work doesn't make the same amount of money. And you can lose money without anybody getting it. Or without it going back into the economy. So am I on the right track now? I'm going up to stay on this for 13 miles. Okay, cool. Five minutes, four minutes later. Um, but man, yeah, business communications was so tough for me. To this day, it's challenging for me because I am a big thinker and I think deeply about topics. And then to come up for air and explain it while I'm doing it is very hard. It might be impossible. And in the end, all I'm doing right now is selling business ideas. So I have to think about them a lot and find them a lot to a fine point until I can finally share them with someone in a way that makes sense. And there's a lot of tinkering that goes into it before, you know. I, I think I'm finding myself in a place where I'm selling kind of validated business models, business concepts, where I'm proving it works in the most basic way 
and then finding someone with the resources to take it to market. And then I get paid as a business, <coughs> which is a lot more than an individual tends to get paid. And then they get to buy something of that will become very valuable if they put in a little bit of effort and time at a far lower price than if they were to wait for me to turn it into a sustained business, right? Because it's an, uh, uh, often you buy a business at a price that's multiple times its revenue, give or take, right? And Or income, whatever it might be, depending on the situation. Revenue being how much you make, total, like before any expenses, income being after expenses. Regardless, right? So when there's no income, you get to negotiate, they get to negotiate down, you get to get something for nothing, so to speak, and everybody wins. Um, and I didn't know I'd find myself here. I was just pursuing what my, what I was, uh, a vision, uh, what I was driven to pursue, which in the end turned out to be an incredible confluence of skill sets for a very specific thing. And I remember being broke, sitting on the, you know, uh, carpet of my friend's house apartment in Chicago trying to convince everybody to start a business with me and nobody would and in the end these people just didn't want to they're just not interested maybe ultimately they're not capable it takes a lot of guts to start a business like you have to go for it and I can't believe how high my risk tolerance is compared to the average person. I remember, oh, what well, just to finish the thought is now I talk, I tell the same thing to other people and they're like, yes, that's brilliant. They love it. They're going to pay me, right? They're going to invest. They believe in me. Let's introduce, like it's, so it's amazing what happens when you change your audience, when you message, when your message remains the same, but you market it, if you will, to a different audience, um, communicate it to a different audience. Yeah. And I remember seeing on Twitter, uh, famous, not famous, well, how do I say this? Uh, brilliant scientist, the head, the head of a, uh, large department in a, in a, in an immense institution, world around institution. And saying something to the effect of like, I think it's finally time for me to start my own business. I'm scared of the possibility, but I'm ready to take the plunge or something like that. Like, God willing, it goes well. Something, you know, like, I hope it goes well. And I'm like, dude, you are, you have access to endless capital via this institution and your network. You have a track record of, of, you know, that few else have in the world. You have access to media channels, some of the biggest podcasts in the world. So your marketing is right there. And you're like a brilliant guy who's also humble. Like you're literally guaranteed success. There is no risk here. It's zero risk. And I mean that literally. There's zero risk. Even if he fails one time, he'll get 
enough times. By the time he do- tries it two or three times, he's going to be successful. All he needs to do is learn how to be an entrepreneur, which is a certain way of viewing the world. Like, there's no risk. There is no leap of faith. It's just a matter of how successful he's going to be. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, that's interesting. Wow. Here he is, scared of zero, of a, of a gap he's got to cross. It's like one inch wide. And here I am diving off cliffs with a squirrel suit trying to get to the other side. With the family, with no, you know, backing. And that's another thing. I'm doing all this stuff bootstrapped. There is no capital source that I can tap into. So my businesses have to be profitable immediately or very quickly or else they don't work. And I've been having a hard time over the last few years kind of getting that flint to strike immediately. But now with this new batch of my own personal projects, I'm I'm very confident one or two or three of them are going to take off because... I've learned so much. And it's only with partners. Like, there's no expense, really. It's crazy, to be frank with you. It's crazy. And if, if I had capital, I would have blown it earlier. I would have gone down directions. I didn't, I think I would have later, uh, I would have gone too far in, the, in too long of the directions, looking back on it now. Which I knew, and I was frustrated, but I understood. And I was like, man, this will always be more efficient, you know? You'll always be more effective when you are resource-constrained. It's just the way it goes. And there may be at a the foundational period, I'm not sure, but... Um, but if I had some capital, oh my God, you guys don't even know what I'd be capable of. If I had my income covered and then capital that I can that I had to burn to start fires, woo, baby. I'd be on the cover of Time magazine. Like you all don't even know. There's so many opportunities out there that nobody wants to pursue, that no one's pursuing, that would just take a little bit of money. So ooh, you know, but what are you gonna do? You gotta work with what you got where you are there's just there's no other route forward except the one immediately in front of you and so you can lament as i had done and i went to twitter and i complained and but the day i decided to shut up and stop complaining is the day that all my energy went into finding and uh developing solutions and i've had more progress since then than ever and some of these companies might be huge. I mean, I don't know if I'll be running them, but my God, these are like very, very, uh, I'm going to be like opening up markets. Other companies are going to be able to like make a ton of money. And I'm like, so be it. Uh, everybody, let's make money. I want to be known as the guy that makes everybody money. Like I'm happy with that because I have companies that I want to start on my own with no one else's help eventually that will be insanely lucrative. And honestly, in the end, how much money do I need in my pocket, right? Not a tremendous amount. 
Like, of course, I'll take earnings from a business that's literally generating profit. But income and wages, <clears throat> you know, I just saw, what was that? I was like up early with my, my baby boy in the middle of the night. And I put on uh, Gordon Gecko 2, Money Never Sleeps, something like that. What, the, I don't know if that was an exact title, but it was like the sequel to the Gordon Gecko movie. Shia LaBeouf and uh, a famous actor, I can't recall his name. But he was Gordon Gecko, and he went to jail for insider trading and etc. And where was I going with this? I got distracted by uh, trucks here. Well, it'll have to come back to me. I apologize, but let me see. What was I talking about? I was talking about being resource constrained. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Damn it. Uh, <laughs> so yes, I am a business philosopher. That really, <clears throat> a theoretical businessman. You know what I mean? A business theor- theoretician. Theor- theoretician? Theoretical businessman. And... I'm more interested in the idea. <clears throat> and, oh, 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 that's right. And in this movie, this, like, huge hedge fund manager was trying to recruit Shia LaBeouf's uh, character. He was a kind of the villain of the story, if you will. And after this, this hedge fund manager, like, regardless. And LaBeouf asks, how much? And the guy misunderstands his question and says, oh, well, 300, maybe 400 if, you, if you're great, you know, and I only take 600, my set, my way, you know, and, but then it's all in the bonus at the end of the year. <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, that's right. 600 is a high salary for anybody. $600,000 is an insanely high salary to, for a business to... Uh, dedicate itself to, or um, uh, what's it called, to promise it'll pay over the course of an entire year with when earnings are unknown and when profit margins are uncertain. But once the profit's made at the end of the year, the quarter, whatever, then they could be distributed. And that's how everybody makes their money. And that's, from what I understand, taxed very differently. <clears throat> your working wage, your working salary is taxed at a higher rate. But earnings made passively, I guess, are taxed differently. Can be taxed differently. I'm not sure. We're not there yet. You know what I mean? But the the cool thing is, having been able, having had to do it all myself, make my money, you know, uh, not have any outside capital. I've learned what the fundamentals are and what's truly important and what's not. How much capital is actually needed to do X, Y, or Z early on and how much isn't. And I've gotten into the habit. My brain is now trained of saying, well, what's the, what's the more effective way to do this? <clears throat> what's the cheaper way to do it? And not necessarily cheaper. 
But is it a way to spend less and get more? Like, you'd be surprised how often you can just spend less and get more. And so now, I'm excited because I know how to make my own money. And in, a, in essence, I'm a free man. Because I can make my own living. I can create my own jobs. And that's like fucking legit. Right? So I, I have a marketing consulting company. And... You know, and even that was a kind of a pain in the butt because you have income and then you don't. You have a client and then you don't. So I said, I'm going to start a marketing agency with a couple guys to make way more money together than we would make apart. I got the process and they got the connections and they know so much more about everything else about the business than I do about business in general. Um that together we can make more money, this company can make more income, and I can flatten out my my income. So the company can make way more revenue, I should say, sales, than it needs to just pay me. So there'll always be extra money because I'll have like two sales guys, just heavy hitters going out there and kicking doors in. It's incredible. So I'm very, I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited about that. Anyway, heading in about 13 minutes away. That's enough for today, I think. If any of you are interested in reaching out to me, I have an email address just for the podcast called aminicorppodcast at gmail.com. So send, send me anything you'd like. All right, everybody. Take care. Talk soon.